Aberdeen Standard Investments, proud sponsors of CityWire Podcasts. Hello and welcome to this month's podcast with me, Chris Slowly, the editor of CityWire Selector. This month, I'm joined by Ian Crispo, the head of liquid mutual funds at Deutsche Bank. We talk about the bugbears that he faces when dealing with usage, his latest alternative ideas, and what lessons in liquidity you can get from having to move into areas you might not be hugely familiar with. As always, if you've got any comments or quotes or questions, please send them to me at Chris Slowly. That's cslowly at citywire.co.uk. Otherwise, I'll see you at the end. Thank you. So we're coming to the, well, we've just finished the first quarter, essentially, and there has been moves in volatility across a wide array of markets. And we, we spoke previously about how you respond to that, what you do in terms of active alternatives, where, where you can get that alpha and also where you can get that protection. So is it possible to go into what you're actually doing on that now and what you actually mean by active alternatives? Yeah, sure. Look, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, markets have been uh, fairly challenging of late. Uh, we've seen uh, uh, clearly uh, a lot of uh, uh, short-term uh, uh, activity and volatility due to uh, politics, due to um, you know potential uh, risks on, on trade wars or interventions against uh, single companies, particularly in the tech sector, it's exactly, which uh, has been moving markets quite actively. But as well, uh, <coughs> we believe, taking a, a slightly longer term, that there's clearly a number of things that have that have been changing over the last, uh, I would say, year and a half, and obviously will continue uh, doing so, which basically uh, has changed the opportunity set and some of the um, uh, for some of the uh, products and particularly the, the alternative space on a longer term. Uh, meaning this is a, this is an area that is going to become more and more. Um, uh, interesting to allocate to. Uh, so things like uh, obviously uh, uh, changing central bank policies, uh, the end of uh, quantitative easing in the US, uh, the path of uh, rising rates. Uh, <coughs> uh, clearly with uh, now uh, central banks uh, being in, in, in different um, modes with the US being more of a, on, a, on a tightening mode, whereas the ECB being more on a, and the, and the Japan, uh, a central bank being more still on an accommodating mode for the next uh, uh, year or so. So uh, <coughs> this, this, this basically means that uh, uh, we believe the, the opportunity set going forward, it's going to be better for, for alternative and active alternatives. And obviously, we, we think, obviously, la- last year we've been more on a, uh, on a Goldilocks type um, uh, economy, if you will, and over this quarter, basically, we think that we've, we've been moving more from from this uh, from from that state that we had last year to more of a late cycle type phase in yep. the economic cycle, which basically uh, will be driving to an increase in inflation, and obviously we've seen uh, rates rises, but that that will continue, and that's driving basically uh, a higher volatility status, if you will, in markets. So and how do you respond to that then? Yeah, if so you are going into higher volatility. Does that mean having more protection, or does that mean capitalizing more volatility? So basically, uh, it means both. So having having more protection on, on one side 
and at the same time cap capitalizing on some strategies that can exploit that higher state of volatility. And this is one area, uh, one area where we have been pushing, uh, which what we call the more uh, uh, active alternatives, uh, which uh, includes a number of alternative strategies such as uh, hedge funds or, or, or liquid alternatives, but as well uh, more, uh, I would call it, uh, long-only type ideas, but which are more, uh, which, which require a much more active approach how, how, you, how you allocate to those. This would be things, uh, and, and that are not basically mainstream that most investors would have. So this would include things that we've added some products and made available to our clients, things like, such as structured credit. Uh, funds, uh, which you can access either on, on with more daily liquidity type products, but as well with more uh, weekly or monthly sure. or, or, or quarterly liquidity. So this is getting exposure to things like uh, mortgage-backed securities, uh, non-agency um, asset-backed securities. And again, this is playing the theme that uh, there's going to be um, a rise in interest rates. And one of the areas where we like, generally speaking, is a floating rate type uh, securities. And obviously, you have different type of, uh, of ways of getting exposure to those type sure. of securities. And uh, so we've been adding ideas, uh, active alternative ideas in that space. Uh, so I mentioned uh, structured credit, another area that we've been uh, uh, basically allocating to uh, is things like uh, uh, lending in different forms. So like trade finance type uh, uh, funds. Uh, we've as well uh, brought to our clients ideas uh, of ways of accessing uh, loans via CLOs or fund that invest basically in CLOs where you still take the advantage of the sure. floating rates, if you will, but you, 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 you basically have a liquid security in the CLO. So there's some managers doing that. Uh, other things are, um, or, you know, if you go more in the, uh, on the less liquid space, but always remaining more or less liquid, meaning less than one year liquidity, uh, are products more in um, di direct lending uh, or even uh, some, uh, some strategies that are more US focused, but uh, is basically lending to the, uh, to the tech sector in like via some specific uh, business development companies that we can get access to. So all these type of ideas are things that we've been, uh, if you will, um, showing our clients and adding funds onto the list too. Uh, obviously, on the more I would say uh, traditional side, and this is you can you can define them more as more of a traditional type of asset manager or more as an active alternative, depending on how you see. But basically, unconstrained fixed income strategies. That that's clear. Is that still because it's an area that had a big, well, not big blowout, but it had money pour out of it in February and March. So the Pimco Fund and the Jupiter Fund, two of the yeah. biggest players in that area, have money withdrawn. Did that impact your view of it at all? Do you think it's still got long term? Fundamentals. We, we think we think that uh, again there are different products in that um, in that area. So there is more like uh, the more low volatility type uh, products, but there are more uh, I would say um, mid level volatility type products targeting five to seven type uh, levels of volatility. Uh, and so for those type of products, we clearly think that on a longer term perspective, obviously the last quarter has been very uh, I would say uh, challenging overall. But on a longer term perspective, the opportunity set should get uh, better in that uh, with uh, uh, rising rates, we should see additional um, or we should see uh, more volatility across uh, fixed income rates, etc. And these are these are strategies that are primarily uh, 
playing uh, themes on rates or exposure to currencies, and so that should uh, be beneficial for them longer term. So clearly, uh, we try to we try to help our investors um, uh, be investors and allocate more with a longer term view, and that's why uh, strategies such as that uh, in the, in the longer term should continue to be uh, something investors. Uh, are allocated to. Liquidity is always an issue. It's always something that comes up with the investor base of how much you can push into a liquid area. So you talk there about having low, lower liquidity, but not illiquidity. How much are you allowed to go into the illiquid areas at the moment? Is it somewhere you would go into, or is it something your clients really don't Yeah, so uh, I think uh, one of the things uh, uh, we've learned from investing in um, uh, uh, in alternatives, uh, particularly in hedge funds, is that investors in general uh, don't appreciate uh, or, or undervalue, if you will, the, the value of liquidity. Uh, they think they're fine with investing in less liquid strategies, uh, but actually uh, they don't f they don't always realize. Uh, how much they value liquidity. And a good example of that was uh, a couple of years ago with all the real estate uh, daily liquidity products yeah. that uh, when, when Brexit happened, right? With that many closed or froze their nerves, so et cetera. And, and that they were, it affected the whole asset class. And this is a recent example. Obviously, if you go back to uh, 2007, 2008, uh, uh, there's many more examples across a number of asset classes. So basically, one of our tenets of our due diligence process is to basically really make sure that the, the funds we offer or the products we offer uh, have a clear, uh, if you will, asset liquidity much in terms of what's the liquidity they offer their investors and what's the underlying liquidity of the of the strategy they invest in. So uh, for investors that actually are able um, uh, not to have uh, access to daily liquidity type products and that are willing to get uh, exposure to products that are, I would say, less liquid, that's certainly an area that uh, we are uh, basically uh, advising clients to go into. And things, uh, again, these are strategies more like uh, you, you have them more in, in hedge type uh, approaches with quarterly or, or yearly liquidity, but even for, for some of direct lending strategies or private debt type strategies, there you have more, I would call it medium term illiquidity, meaning products that have a, a life of uh, three to, to seven years, if you will. Not going the whole private equity type uh, spectrum, but more on, on that range. So that's certainly something that we are uh, you know, advising part of our client base for clients that actually, you know, are large enough, exactly. Yes. But it's clearly not for, um, for retail investors in that, in, in, in that case. One thing we've previously talked about is actual access to managers in terms of uh, capacity, capacity constraints, and what that means if the top manager in a sector is either soft-closed or is limiting money to go into it, how you deal with that. Is that still a concern for fund selectors, and is there any tips or strategies for how you would combat if you've, for example, gone into a sector, the best manager, best by a long way, but everybody's invested with them, would you have to look at your overall allocation and look elsewhere, or could you look at the second or third? How would you approach it? Yeah, so I think uh, capacity is actually a, a, a subject that is today on the top of our heads, uh, not only for the reasons you mentioned in terms of managers, if you will, uh, hard closing or, uh, or limiting capacity, uh, actually, when managers do that, we view that as a positive. 
uh, actually what we have seen recently is that the number of strategies, particularly on, on, on both traditional side but as well on the liquid alternative side, particularly strategies that are basically originally run more by, by asset managers as opposed to uh, alternative specialists yeah. or hedge fund houses that actually seem to be in, a, in an asset gathering mode and that actually uh, are not limiting the capacity and keep obviously you know, on the back of good performance, yeah. but they, they, they keep growing assets sometimes at speeds that are uh, extremely worrisome for us. And we, we basically, you know, we've been there in times like 2007 during, you know, the quant crash in, in August or even in, in 2008, obviously. And that's something that worries us. So basically, that's something that we're monitoring very closely. And what the way we react is that you know, uh, we, we, we try to uh, ascertain what should be, uh, uh, would say, a, a maximum capacity level for, for, for those managers uh, because sometimes, you know, they are a bit reluctant to tell you what their capacity is because they are in this asset gathering mode. And basically, uh, you know, as a first step, we, we would actually stop uh, distributing that fund to our investors or basically soft closing it internally and uh, you know and, and if we see things are not changing we simply recommend clients to get out of it because when things turn they can turn very fast as happened in 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 August 2007 and that can be uh, that can lead to to basically uh, you know potentially large drawdowns for the strategies so coming back to the questions what we do when managers are hard close Again, it depends on the on the space that you're, you you are, uh, if you will, uh, offering. So if you look at um, uh, on the traditional side, some capacities are closed. So I mean, it's been very well known that's happened with all these robotics funds, for example. Sure. So we we basically uh, try to find another best-in-class fund, uh, and that's we we operate with this open architecture approach. Uh, accessing only funds that we think are best in class. And so basically the approach would be, uh, we'll try to find another manager that we deem is best in class. And if it's uh, not, uh, if there isn't one that meets basically our criteria, we just simply stop, unfortunately stop offering products on that, uh, on that particular sector. And, and we would, but basically, and, and we would try to maybe find uh, ideas more from a macro, macro view that still may, may give you some exposure to the sector, but basically might be uh, larger. So, I mean, if you take the example of robotics, you might, you might say, okay, uh, how are different ways to play that, that theme? Sure. It could be maybe yeah, from some other, uh, you know, uh, bit wider tech funds that are uh, accessing, you know, automation, artificial intelligence and things like that. So that's one area we've done. If you look at the more the, uh, the liquid alternatives or the hedge fund uh, space, you know, uh, in, in some strategies in liquid alternatives, simply there isn't enough managers. So uh, we would uh, try to get that exposure via I would say a, a, a similar but parallel strategy. So meaning, for example, if you take an example uh, in terms of equity market neutral strategies, both quant and um, and more fundamental equity market neutral, it's been very popular on liquid alternatives. There is very few managers that you know that are really good and have provided consistently uh, attractive risk adjusted yeah. returns and basically uh, but it's basically equity linked uh, if you will alpha market neutral you you can basically access that as well via maybe some uh, event driven uh, strategies that would get exposure to some special situation type uh, approach and risk arp type strategies uh, that where the manager 
clearly runs a mandate of being at all times uh, uh, getting a, a, you know, a market neutral exposure to equities. So that could be one way to, to replace, uh, if you will, uh, that uh, equity market neutral exposure with a similar type of exposure that is obviously not the same, but is, I would say, uh, you can get uh, relatively similar type of returns, if you but will, depending on... Sort of crowding in one area? Yeah. Sure, yeah, well, we, we, be, we, be, we believe uh, one of our tenets of investment in alternative is clearly diversification. You, de you, you obviously don't need, to, you, you, you shouldn't be overly diversified, but you need to be diversified across, if you will, uh, a number of strategies and a number of managers ex and, you know, to avoid crowding, but as well uh, to, uh, if, if you will, to hedge your vets. And so that's why sometimes when we allocate to, um, to active alternative ideas, we take more of this, I would say, uh, thematic approach in you if you will with the theme being not a, a macro theme based on where we think uh, you know top-down driven from a CIO type perspective but things being specific alpha streams that managers can can uh, access such as structured credit uh, trade finance uh, you know we mentioned insurance link securities can be another theme or it can be you know uh, a event-driven investing with a specific approach uh, or a more uh, niche macro player, let's say, uh, on the liquid alternative side, as opposed to a global macro fund that's going to go, go anywhere, maybe, you know, more of a specialist that is focused on, on, on macro trading in Asia and then taking one that is more uh, focused on trading currencies, uh, you know, G10, for example. So it's to very diverse getting the same type of exposures but is with managers that are that are more specialists dedicated to a specific uh if you will uh subset of the investment world we touched upon it there and, and it came up in sort of how you are approaching market neutral but are there any ideas or any strategies in the market you'd like to get access to but you you're just not able to or there are ideas in certain formats that you can't get access to you mentioned loans at the start and I know loans has historically been a difficult place to get access to through usage compliance and counterparty risk involved there. But are there any themes or strategies you think, oh, I wish we could allocate a bit more money to this, or I wish we could find a good manager along a certain theme or strategy? Yeah, so sure. So I think, uh, you know, if you look at uh, uh, what, uh, what our, our investors uh, want, and you can see, or what investors basically want. So, or for example, it's like an absolute return slash total return type uh, multi-strategy product. Uh, we've seen quite a number, and there's some very large ones that have uh, that that are out there that have garnered a lot of assets. Uh, those those strategies, uh, you know, uh, did deliver on their promises for a few years, but it's not been the case for the last two three years. Uh, and that's maybe related to the fact that you know uh, valuations on across markets are, are so high, and so that's an area where uh, we've uh, we've been able to identify uh, one manager uh, or one uh, one new strategy that uh, you know should be able to provide you that uh, five to plus LIBOR plus uh, five to to six so a total return of say uh, seven to ten percent across the market cycle, and that's an area where we've not seen uh, or not been able able to, uh, to, to access, I would say, uh, enough products. So that, that would be one area. And obviously, uh, we are fully conscious of the fact that uh, 
a, lo a large part of our investor base is today uh, Europe-based, if you will, or are, or, or are looking for re more regulated products. And so meaning needs to be uh, use, usage compliance on products. And we're fully aware that uh, clearly the usage uh, regulation constrains a lot the type of the universe, the overall universe of strategies you can access to. Yeah. Uh, so you know, 50% of the hedge fund strategies are not. You we cannot invest via usage fund. Um, last month, removed themselves from the usage markets. They said it was hard to comply with that. So that's yeah. So so yeah. In that particular case. Uh, there's a number of different reasons why yeah, they might have done that. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm not certain that's the main reason for, for that uh, particular removal uh, or those particular removals uh, we're mentioning too. But it's clearly, uh, it's clearly an area where you know, there are some strategies, less liquid, distress type strategies or, or main, some credit strategies uh, uh, that you simply cannot access them. And actually, we've, we've seen a number of managers launch strategies like more in stress slash distress type credit strategies in a usage formats, they've come to us uh, with uh, the great track records they had in the offshore funds. And then when you dig in there, when you dig into, into the actual portfolio that they're launching as a usage, you just realize uh, this is just a disaster waiting to happen. They so, have changed so much to fit the, the rules. Mm, well, because some of the, well, not necessarily for that reason, because basically they still access some of the, the securities they were investing in their offshore fund, which are full, but which are basically liquid. Yeah. And so, uh, and we just know, and, in and you know better than me that in USITS, uh, you know, a large part of the client base is more retail oriented. So you can have a lot, and so I wouldn't say, you know, chasing performance many times. And so you can have very rapidly uh, redemptions being quite large. So a fund that is today, you know, one and a half or two billion can be very easily to in, in a matter of two or three months can be down to 500 or to 300 or whatever. So that security that was maybe 5% in the 1.5 billion fund now becomes like uh, 15 or 20% and, and it's illiquid. So it's basically illiquid. Yeah. So we, we basically rejected a number of those strategies that uh, we've seen because we're worried about that uh, asset liability concern. So even if it's usage, it doesn't mean it's safe basically uh, at, at all times and you still need to do your due diligence. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you for joining us. So Ian Crispo there with some interesting insights into what modern asset allocators are facing when dealing with the usage constraints, but also the opportunities, some positives, some negatives. If you have any takes of your own on what Ian said or have any insights that you'd like to give anyway, please contact me, Chris Slowly, that's cslowly at cityworld.co.uk. Otherwise, please like and subscribe and continue to Keep hold of Citywide Podcasts wherever you do download your podcast from. Thank you. Aberdeen Standard Investments, proud sponsors of Citywire Podcasts.